Hello and welcome to Brown 21 Set Hut, the premier NFL football podcast from Brown University. I am Alex Vang. I'm David Cody. I'm Vincent Almarico. I'm Michael Tan. And we're here to talk about the league. Week one is in the books, boys. Mm-hmm. It was some good football, some good games. Uh, week two's upcoming, so let's hit some of the games from last week. And who wants to kick us off? Um, I'll start. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Vikings-Falcons and what mm. we could have learned from Vikings-Falcons. The first thing we learned definitely is that the Falcons have a passing game, and that's mm. about it. Um, their leading rusher had 31 yards, um, and they only put up 12 points. Uh, Matt Ryan threw the ball 46 times. So they really put the game on his shoulders and sort of proved that that's not really enough for them to survive in the in the NFC as deep as it, as it is. On the other hand, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 10 times for the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers threw, I'm not Aaron, excuse me, Matt Ryan threw 36 more passes than Kirk <laughs> Cousins. Um, so th- I guess the other thing we learned is that the Vikings very much have a running game. Dalvin Cook, uh, 5.3 yards a pop, 111 yards. Mm-hmm. Alexander Madison ran really well as well. Um, and just a great performance from the Vikings defense, uh, getting two interceptions off Matt Ryan. Um, the Vikings could be legit with this running game they have, and the Falcons are going to need something else beyond Matt Ryan to, to win games. And the game wasn't even close. Um, mm. The Falcons didn't score until the fourth quarter. Mm. It was 28-0 going into the fourth quarter which is just insane yeah and i think this is the kind of game that like mike zimmer and uh gary kubiak are really gonna try and inflict on other teams throughout the season just kind of control the clock you know run the ball a lot and then just play defense i think that's what they probably think is their best chance at winning games here um i think kirk cousins is serviceable but you know at this point you really want to put every game in kirk cousins's hand i think they're kind of beyond that yeah, I think that that uh that run game for the Vikings really came out, and that is what they're going to rely on. Dalvin Cook, that outside zone, mm-hmm. that Kubiak style. Um, Kirk Cousins can make a couple nice throws every game, which is exactly what he did, and I think if they do that, they are going to be fine, especially with the pieces they still have in place on that defense. I wonder, I wonder how much money Kirk Cousins made per pass attempt in this game. <laughs> it was a probably, lot. He probably set some kind of record in that respect. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on talk about the Browns-Titans game. So the much-hyped Browns came into week one, and they got blown out by the no-hype Titans. It was a 43-13 game, um, and I'm pretty sure 43 points is the most the Titans have put up in a single game, probably in a long time. <laughs> long time. That sounds like an entire month for them last season. Um so it was really surprising. Nobody expected to see that coming. Everyone thought Baker Mayfield was going to be a lot more on point than he was, and he really wasn't. Uh, Derek Henry was able to hit the ground running. He had like a 75-yard screen pass. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big game for the Titans, a big statement for them. Yeah, and I almost I almost wonder, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but I almost wonder how much how much hype we should have put into a team that was 7-8-1 last year gained some pieces in Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon, but lost some pieces uh, on their offensive line in particular. And I think that really, really showed uh, in this game is they couldn't really, they had some trouble protecting Baker Mayfield and he had some trouble getting a rhythm together. Um, So sort of Logan Ryan had a sack and a half and he's a cornerback. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I think, I think the Browns are going to have to find a way to 
put Baker Mayfield in a position to get the ball to his playmakers if they want to if they want to find a way to succeed on an actual level and contend. Yeah, I mean, I thought like frankly, Freddie Kitchens looked like a guy who was, you know, coaching his first game as a head coach. That was really how it looked. They were extremely sloppy. They got absolutely killed by penalties the whole game. Um, you know, I, this team is just going to have to find an identity, I think. And I think later on in the season they'll get some stuff together, but it's a matter of, you know, they have a pretty front-loaded schedule. They play the Rams in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. so that's going to be a test for them. It's just a matter of how quickly can they get it together for me. That's what I think. Another point on the Titans real quick. Um, I think it's easy to forget they were missing – they're missing their left tackle right now. They had a replacement oh. in at left tackle, and I remember throughout the game he was actually handling Miles Garrett throughout the game. So in four weeks, when their starter comes back, they're going to look even better if – if this proves to not be a fluke, um, you know, Delaney Walker had two touchdowns. AJ, AJ Brown came out with a hundred yards on three receptions. So they've got the pieces there to maintain uh, a, a pretty solid offensive, offensive performance. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our next game. Michael. Yeah. Ravens dolphins. Well, well, well. <laughs> so this one was just a complete blowout. I don't think it was even ever in question. Um, it was just wow. Uh, scores ended up uh, 59-10, mm-hmm. and uh, Lamar Jackson really proved himself this game. Um, let's see, he threw for five touchdowns, and I, 59 is a franchise record for how many is points? Raven, I mean, Ravens usually rely right. on defense, right? And like both sides of the ball looked really good. Um, he only threw 20 times, but he got yeah. five touchdowns. Which is pretty insane. And then they, even towards the end of the game, they put in Robert Griffin, and uh, he got some <laughs> touchdowns as well. He was six um, for six. He was perfect on the day. <laughs> so I uh, I don't really know what to say. I think a lot. I do think that the Ravens got a little bit of a lot a lot of hype after this game, but I really do think that the Dolphins just suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, no, it was a crazy game from Lamar. Uh, the fact that Robert Griffin went in in what, like the fourth quarter, says yeah. says all you need to know. I mean, the box score, fifty nine to ten. This feels like, like in college football, Alabama playing like Alabama State or something. This <laughs> this looks like one of those kinds of games. Um, Mark Ingram had a big game. He only touched the ball what, like fourteen times, but he had two touchdowns. Looks like Gus Edwards had a lot of carries too. Um, so it definitely was a good game for their offense. Speaking of Alabama, though. You guys heard the news about Mika Fitzpatrick wanting out. Yeah. And he's not the only player in Miami who wants out of there. Yeah. Um, I would. Oh, yeah, I definitely would. Miami is in full, full tank mode. I don't see them winning more than, like, one game this year. They looked <laughs> so, so bad. Um, I think it's also important to note Lamar Jackson only ran three times this yeah. game. Yeah. And so he's really, like, showing, like, he's not a runner as mm. much anymore. So we'll kind of see, like, if... If, like, games start getting closer, is he going to have to pull out that running game, or is he just going to stick in the pocket for now? Yeah, I think I think this game offensively for Baltimore is a really good a really good sign, obviously, if you score 59 points, but it's a really, <laughs> it's a really good sign that the parts of their offense that they want to work are working, that Hollywood Brown had 36 yards of catch and two touchdowns 
um, that Mark Andrews had eight catches and over 100 yards, that uh, Mark Ingram ran the ball really well and Gus Edwards was able to run the ball just as well, and that Lamar can throw the football. Um, those are all the components that the Ravens want to work together if they want this offense to go, and it was a really good sign that they could make it work, albeit against a Miami team that really looks like they're trying to tank. Um, but it's a good it's a good demonstration of what the Ravens would look like at their best. All right, let's take a moment and um, uh, eat some crow, face our shame. We <laughs> talked about Steelers-Patriots last week, mm. and we thought that the Steelers might be able to do something on Sunday night. Mm. That did not happen. They lost by 30 points to a Patriots team that was just better. I mean, I quit watching in, like, I think right after halftime because that game just got so out of hand. Um, anyone have any idea what's going on with the Steelers? I don't know. I do want to throw – I'm a Patriots fan. I love this game. Um, <laughs> I do want to I do want to throw out some fun stats for you about oh this game. The Patriots won by 30 points. Oof. Um. The Patriots running back, Sony Michelle, who almost hit 1,000 yards last season, uh, had less than one yard per carry. Um, the Patriots were 0 for 3 in the red zone, and they won by 30 points. Um, I think I think the Patriots are going to be dangerous this year. I think they were even without uh, Kyle Van Noy on defense. They only gave up three points. Um, it's... Uh, it's, it's obvious now that even when really basic components of offensive football aren't working, like red zone offense, which should have been a struggle without Gronk, and running game, which we thought would be a struggle without Gronk, even when those aren't working, uh, the Patriots are still uh, dominating really good opponents. Yeah, I thought, I thought Pittsburgh looked like if you took the Steelers team last year and just you know removed the talent from it, they were sloppy, they didn't look good on defense... Mm-hmm. You know, they still have not figured out anything to deceive Tom Brady in the passing game, despite it being like, we're running on like 15 years of this now. Um, It just looked pretty ugly. This team, this is a big game coming up next week. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but this is a team that's like in desperate need of finding an identity and finding a way to to consistently get stops on defense. Yeah, what's crazy is they should have the talent there. I mean, they have James Conner, who's a pretty good back. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, everyone, you know, expect him to take the step forward this year, and I think I still think he will. James Washington was a guy who had a lot of potential. Vance McDonald was a, you know, he, he's no Zach Ertz or anything, but he's a pretty serviceable tight end. So they should, th- this is a team, and it was a game where they should have been able to put up points. They should be good offensively, but I think it's just the Patriots. I think it's something about that stupid, neat, stupid team in Foxborough. <laughs> All right, um, let's go ahead. Vincent, you want to talk about the Saints-Texans game? Yeah, if I could choose one game to culminate like the entire Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, it would definitely be this game. Like This had everything. It had, you know, there was really boneheaded, sloppy mistakes on offense. Uh, it had bad calls. It had unbelievably bad two-minute defense. And it had Drew Brees bailing the Saints out by getting him into field goal range and then Lutz nailing a miracle kick. Um, I thought both teams actually, considering how good of a game it was, I thought both teams looked a little bit sloppy till the second half. Uh, the Texans offense, it, it looked, Watson looked absolutely incredible this game. That's one thing I want to put out there. I thought Deshaun Watson played about as well as he could have played considering the offensive line issues that they still have. We'll see if Tunsil can fix those. 
Um, and then Kamara showed that he can really be the guy, I think. His balance looked unbelievable. He was turning nothing into something on virtually every play he got the ball. Uh, I think these are going to be two pretty good teams. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of season left, and we don't know how injuries will shake out, but I, I think both of these teams will make a playoff run. You know, as bad as you uh, say that the Saints performed, I think the Texans proved that they performed even worse because uh, as good as the entire game was, the last two minutes of that game are, are what's going to be remembered. And Deshaun Watson going, what was it, 75 yards on two passes, he absolutely bailed the Texans out of the hole that they were in. They should have won that game if not for the play calling on defense um, by Bill O'Brien. And nothing against Drew Brees and the Saints. I love the Saints. I think they have a legitimate shot this year. But um, Bill O'Brien getting scared on defense, I think, is what really lost that game, giving the Saints room to work underneath and get just inside field goal range. Uh, it absolutely killed him. Absolutely killed him. Um, I do think Deshaun and the Texans are going to go on and have a good rest of the year with all the offensive firepower they have. Uh, aside from that offensive line, the offensive line does need to figure things out. But this game was just really really bad from a coaching perspective i think yeah it goes back to i I said this a while back about bill o'brien you know i just i have yet to see him beat a good team i can't think of a single good team that bill o'brien has ever beaten every single year it seems like the texans just kind of beat up on the worst teams they play and find ways to lose against Mm -hmm. the better teams they play even though they meet they make it competitive i mean i don't know i just got to see more from him yeah and i think it's gonna be interesting um because, like, if you look at the stat sheet, you're going to see someone noticeable missing from the Texans. It's J.J. Watt. He didn't record a single stat. No QB hit, no sack. So I think it just really goes to show, like, how much Davion Clowney helped out that team on the uh, front mm. line. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, will anyone else on the Texans uh, front seven step up? All right, let's move on and talk about the last game from last week that we really want to look at, and that's the Lions and Cardinals. Um, this is the first tie of the season. It was, uh, in the end, it turned into a pretty good game. It didn't look that way for most of it. Um, Lions kind of dominated the Cardinals for, what, like three, three and a half three, quarters? Three and a half quarters. Um, <laughs> Kyler Murray looked lost. Uh, the Lions were pretty much owning them until the end, until Kyler Murray showed up, comes down, ties the game. Um, take it into overtime. They swapped field goals, swapped a couple punts, and time ran out on them. But uh, the Lions, again, the Lions looked really good, and they would have won that game if not for a horrible, horrible timeout by Matt <laughs> Patricia. Um, David, you want to follow that up? Yeah, I think uh, this is a really interesting game from the perspective of the Cardinals' offense, um, just to see what... Because Cliff Kingsbury was maybe the biggest question mark in the league from a coaching perspective just because he he hadn't proven at his previous position at texas tech that he could compete at a high level and have like the kind of success the cardinals are counting on him to have but the gears of the cardinals offense were working david johnson had a really good game like 100 130 something yards from scrimmage um kyler murray was good running the ball and throwing the ball um, Larry Fitzgerald is a wizard and had 113 yards, um, despite being a million years old. Um, I think I think it's really it's really interesting how the Cardinals are going to be able to perform going down the stretch if their offense is going to click as well like it did in the fourth quarter. I think uh, they're going to have to find a way other than Kyler Murray throwing 54 passes. Um, 
but it's an indication that they can they can score against some teams. They can score 27 points against a team, and they can score when they really have to. Yeah, I agree. I thought the play calling looked good when it mattered, honestly. And he came out and owned it after the game. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury talking about how terrible he thought his first half play calling was. Um, I don't know. This this game kind of confuses me. I don't know if both of these teams are like okay or both of them are garbage. Matt Patricia, I I don't know. The jury's still out on him mm. for me. I really don't know what to think. Uh, maybe schematically he's pretty good, but situationally he's looked pretty terrible so far as a head coach in the NFL. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see what these teams have in store for them coming up. They have a couple of prove-it games uh, this week, if we want to segue into that. Yeah, let's do it. All right, who wants to talk about the first game we've got on the docket for next week? Looking at Seahawks and Steelers. Michael? Yeah, so this should be a pretty interesting game. Um, It's going to be at Pittsburgh, so Steelers will have home field advantage. Um... None of these teams did well last week. Uh, Steelers obviously lost by 30 to the Patriots. They had nothing going for them, really, all game. So they're going to need a bounce-back game here, um, at home especially. And the Seahawks? Seahawks, definitely coming into the season, they had a lot of hype coming around them. They had a pretty good defense, um, offense, Russell Wilson at the helm. And they really fell flat against the Bengals team. That was not supposed to be good. They gave up 400 yards to Andy Dalton. Um, so the Seahawks, and this was also at home for the Seahawks. So typically at home, the Seahawks defense really steps Uh up, but in this case, they really didn't. Um, so if the Steelers are able to do anything on offense, it's going to be this week. Yeah, I don't know. We don't really see a lot of must win games for week two, but I think this is a pretty big one for Pittsburgh, honestly. I mean, they got absolutely embarrassed in week one, Mm -hmm. like you said. Uh, you know, they kind of need a, they need to find an identity. They need to show, they need to prove to people that they actually can, can win without the talent they've lost. I think something that a lot of people aren't talking about, everyone, you know, obviously wants to talk about Bell and Brown. I think the loss of Mike Munchak is actually really important to this team. Uh, he was, you know, he's been one of the better offensive line coaches in the league for a while now. Pittsburgh's offensive line has been terrific. And I mean, we saw in week one with the, uh, the everybody but the center false start. The offensive <laughs> line play was not exactly as good as it could have been. I think part of that can probably be chalked up, too. I think that was pretty late in the game when that happened, and eventually you just kind of get beat down. Um, but that was pretty rough. But, yeah, the Steelers definitely do need to win this game. After only putting up three points in week one, mm-hmm. they act, they absolutely have to come out and show that they're still a powerhouse to contend with, that last week was a fluke, it was just the Patriots, and that they're going to handle the rest of their schedule. Um, Vincent, you want to talk about the Saints and Rams game? Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I think this is a really big game for Jared Goff because he's been on a cold streak for a while now. Um, In my opinion, his last good game was actually the championship game against the Saints. And even before that, he was kind of, he was struggling. He had that infamous Bears game last year where I thought he played terrible. So, I don't know. The Saints secondary looked pretty bad in week one. I think this could be a bounce back game for Goff and the Rams. And then this is obviously a prove-it game for the Saints, and it's really going to be a question of how well can they handle the emotions, obviously with the way last season transpired. Um, I don't know. I I really – I think it'll definitely be a close game. You know, I think I'm going to have to give the edge to the Rams in L.A. I don't know. I think I trust the Saints more just to produce on a more consistent level. I trust Drew Brees more. I trust Alvin Kamara more. I trust Michael Thomas more. Um, I think the Rams are probably – 
have a higher ceiling, but I think the Saints are going to be more consistent out there. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting, especially after week one, um, Ram just barely beating out the Panthers, and like both of those uh, teams having close scores. So I think this one's going to be similar because like, they're about at the same place um, in terms of like talent on both sides. So I think it'll be a really, really interesting game. Yeah, I feel like this is a pretty important game for both of these teams going in. Both of them had really narrow victories last week, and both of them are really... These were the two powers in the NFC last year, um, and the NFC has gotten a little more crowded this year. Um, you have teams like the Eagles really looking to contend, and the Seahawks really taking a shot at contending. Mm-hmm. Um and Aaron Rodgers back with a new OC in Green Bay. So this is a this is a really important sort of status game for both of these teams to see which one has a has a greater chance or has more sticking power as a as a power in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Um it'll be interesting to see if the Rams if the Rams win this game it w- it would be big going towards their sort of uh legit legitimization of them as a as a perennial contender in the NFC and not just a, a couple years stint. Sure. Um, so let's talk about this next game. Ooh. Let's talk about the Browns at the Jets. Um, this game really looks to be a, a really, really immediate, quickly right the ship type of win for either of these teams. The Browns need this win, I think, more than the Jets um, to sort of salvage whatever kind of... Uh, not Whatever whatever kind of uh, hype they had around their team... Um, if they lose to the Jets this week, I feel like the wheels will totally fall off. Um, and the Jets, I stopped watching that game in the fourth quarter and walked away thinking, oh, the Jets had just dominated the Bills. And uh, checked the scoreboard afterwards and was shocked that Josh Allen figured out how to throw a football in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Um, I don't think the Jets looked particularly good. I thought Bell looked okay, um, but I don't think I don't think they looked like a team that really should be taken seriously in the AFC um so this this would be an interesting game to see if either if the if the browns can win this game that'll sort of be a statement that they are still uh trying to contend in the afc and they're still capable of that um if they lose to the jets i don't know i don't know what to tell you (laughs) yeah i think uh considering where i think the browns definitely took a larger step forward in the past couple years than the jets have because the jets are still really really devoid of talent outside of really Le'Veon Bell. I think that's pretty much it, mm-hmm. except for a couple guys on defense. Yeah. So the Jets, I think this season, really just have to look for keeping their head above water and keeping Sam Darnold moving forward, keeping him developing. Um, I think if they can do that for the rest of the season and just holding their own against the Browns, I think will be good for the Jets. I still don't, I think they're still a year away from contention, even though I think they and the Browns were pretty much in the same spot last year. As for the Browns, they do have to prove it this week. They have to show that last week was a fluke that they just didn't have it together yet. Freddie Kitchens has to show that he can take control of the locker room, take control of the team, uh, get those penalties under control at 19, and um, really turn the ship around for them. Yeah, and I don't know if you mentioned it, um, but talking about Sam Darnold, he's out indefinitely with mono. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that is right. Forgot about that. <laughs> so Trevor Simeon's going to be starting at quarterback for the Jets, wow. and I mean... Le'Veon Bell is going to eat this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely uh, watch out for the Jets to focus on the run game and maybe like some dump off screen passes. The Broncos fan doesn't have undying faith in Trevor Simeon's ability to throw the ball. I have undying faith in his ability to throw the ball to Le'Veon Bell. That's pretty (laughs) much it. He can get it there. Beyond that, a little sketchy. 
Vincent, you have anything to add to the Browns-Jets? Uh, yeah, I think I think this game is important for the Browns and that they really need to establish a running game. I think you got to really lean on Nick Chubb if you're the Browns and, and just kind of make that your offense. Make the offense go through Nick Chubb and try and mask some of the deficiencies in the offensive line and pass protection. Yeah, um, which is kind of funny to say considering the talent that they have outside, considering the talent that they have at tight end um, and the accuracy that Baker Mayfield has shown before but I think you're right if they can really establish that run game and have the pass game kind of be the cherry on top to complement it that'll work really well for them all right let's talk about Colts Titans I think uh, we were saying before we started recording this is probably going to be the most revealing game of the week this week because we're the Colts have to show that they what I think they lost last week right yeah they yeah. lost and they lost an OT to the Chargers in a game in which Vinatieri missed seven points of field goals Right, so um, the Colts have to show that they can still compete, um, even without Andrew Luck. And the Titans have to show that they are legitimate, that last week wasn't a fluke. If they can put up 25, 30 points on the Colts, um, they're going to really establish themselves as, I think, probably favorites for the AFC South and actual uh, heavy hitters in the conference. Yeah, and I think I think last week for the Colts, the game went about as well as they could have hoped for. Um they had Jacoby Brissett only through five incompletions. He was 21 of 26. And it was good enough to control the pace of the game so that Marlon Mack could rush for 170-something yards. Um, I don't think they can count on that happening every week, but that's sort of what, what the idea would be for their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacoby Brissett just not turning the ball over and letting the running game take over. Um, and they, despite that, they couldn't beat uh, the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a really good contender this year, and uh, regardless of how the Melvin Gordon situation pans out, they'd be a good team in the in the AFC, but um, I think the Colts really need this win in order to keep themselves in that playoff discussion and indicate that they are still competing for this division title. Yeah, I think the big challenge for the Colts is going to be keeping the Titans' defense at bay, particularly Cameron Wake. Mm. He, uh, he had a huge game last week, and he could have a real impact in the run game and the pass game this week if they're not careful. So they're going to have to keep an eye on him. Um, anything else to add, Vincent? Yeah, I just interestingly enough, you know, in the post-luck era Colts, it, the defense is really what kind of lost in that last game. It was defense and special teams. The offense did, you know, like we said, about as good as you can ask for with Brissett. They, they mm-hmm. pounded the ball really well with Marlon Mack. Uh, the defense just looked sloppy, and Vinatieri was god-awful <laughs> in that game. That's a That's a really... It's kind of an anomalous game for Vinatieri to just flat out lose one for a team like that. Mm. Is this uh, is this the end of the Adam Vinatieri era of the NFL? <laughs> we 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 seeing it come come down. Maybe he's been here since 1996, I think. Golly. Um, and he's been making Super Bowl runs his whole career. <laughs> his first year in the NFL, the Patriots made it to the Super Bowl in '96. Um, that was before Tom Brady, so that's a, an indication of how long he's been in the NFL a little bit. Maybe, maybe Andrew. Maybe what it was is Andrew Luck's neck beard kept him alive, mm-hmm. and now that Andrew Luck and his beard have gone, like the white of Adam Vinatieri's beard is really, <laughs> really going to show itself on the field. Yeah, and that's what's happening there. Um. All right. So I think that's all the teams we're going to look at for next week. Do we have anything else to can add? Can we? Can we? Uh, talk a little bit about what we talked a little bit about last week. And that we recorded uh, last weekend's podcast on Saturday, um, 
a few minutes after the Raiders had released Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. And a few hours before the New England Patriots gave me a heart attack. Um, So Antonio Brown on the Patriots is a really interesting thing offensively, just from a football perspective. The Patriots have not since Randy Moss has they had that kind of receiving target, receiving talent on the field, but he's a totally different player from a Randy Moss. He's not a big-bodied target. Um, he's just more of a route-running, get-open receiver. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays into our offense, Patriots offense, if he does, in fact, play into the Patriots offense because he's dealing with a lot more off-the-field stuff than he was when he was even released. Um, the the rape allegations coming out, I think, the next day after he was signed. Um, so the the Patriots are a good team at dealing with distractions, um, which is great now because they just signed one. Um, so it'll signed be, a big one. Yeah, so I'll be it'll be really interesting to follow along what happens over these next couple of weeks in his in his situation. Yeah, I think if he can kind of get the off the field stuff settled down, he's gonna really really fit in there. Well, not fit in personality wise, but on the field, mm. I think it's gonna be a big compliment to Tom Brady to Josh Gordon. And to you know the offense that put up thirty three points last week mm. without him, it's uh it's only gonna go up from here. Is he is he playing on Sunday? He is expected to play. He traveled with the team, and the Patriots usually don't uh bring someone if they're not gonna play him. Um, so he'll probably be playing a pretty limited role on Sunday. Um, one thing I was I was really thinking about sort of my take on the Antonio Brown and the Patriots culture is I really think the New England locker room is probably the best place for him to be right now in terms of his career and the way he the way he handles himself because he it's probably the biggest relief in the world for him to leave Pittsburgh where he didn't get along with anyone to leave Oakland where it just wasn't a good culture for him and to come to New England where the whole focus is just win football games and settle down and play a role and win football games. I'm sure that's refreshing for him at this point, and I think that's the environment he needs to be in uh, to find success on the field. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. In Pittsburgh, he he made a fuss and he made himself a big deal. Mm -hmm. In Oakland, he was under a microscope from the moment he got there. He Mm -hmm. was the focus of the Oakland Raiders. Whereas when he gets to New England, it's just going to be... On SportsCenter, it's going to pop up. Antonio Brown had three touchdowns last night, and that's pretty much all there's going to be to it. Um, and he's really going to be able to shine on the field and hopefully stay out of the out of the news off. All right. Um, let's talk real quick about the uh, fantasy football league we have here with Brown Sports Convos and the Team Sports Convos team. Oh, that didn't flow well. Um, <laughs> last week, our collective team kind of got stomped. It was a 148 to 102 in fantasy football. Who scored 148? Um, what did that team look like? They looked like Deshaun Watson, James Conner, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and Mark Andrews. Okay. Oh, yeah. And oh, Greg really? Zerline. Yeah, uh, we had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams both kind of stink up, stink up their games. Uh, and Todd Gurley only put up 11 points for us. And the Broncos lost a point on mm. defense. So it was it was not a good look. It was a rough game. Um, we'll see if we can turn it around. Been a little, been, been some shifts on the roster. Going to try to put some new guys in. But I think we're looking pretty good this week. We're playing Team Almerico. Oh. Have you gotten into... <laughs> I, I think you've not, had cannot, ownership troubles. Yeah, I, I have not been able to access this team. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, so 
I guess we're just gonna see. We're we're gonna we're gonna go with the flow here. I don't know how last week went for me. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty sure you lost last week, but you're projected to win this week. So wow. Um. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. All right. Is there anything else we need to follow up on, guys? All right. Not well, that in that case, this has been another episode of Brown Twenty One Set Hut. Thank you for tuning in. Um, David, why don't you hit us with our, uh, our plugs? All right. So you can go to sportsconvos.com, uh, to check out some of the content we put out regularly. We just had an article come out by Ethan Jobson about, uh, sort of the decline of the, the, the 2010s drafted quarterback and how they've just been stomped on by the careers of the 2000s drafted quarterbacks. Um, and what was supposed to be there, a really interesting read. I highly recommend it. Um, you can also find our podcasts on that website, uh, including the other, uh, sports convos podcast um that i'm part of as well and our twitter you can follow our twitter that's at brn sports convos um and our instagram did what did we decide it was last week i don't remember is it at brown sports convos i don't know i never get on twitter all right look up <laughs> or look, instagram sorry just just you'll find us on instagram <laughs> brown sports convos <laughs> on instagram um yeah yeah definitely 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 check out the website though we got some good stuff coming up all right thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next week